You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. No matter where you are, no matter if we're lost, hey, follow our path. Oh, may your voicemails succeed. May make gold friends you need. May find passion. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I am Andrew. I'm John. This is our podcast, Mm -hmm. and that is forever our food line. (laughs) Correct. John, how are you doing? How are Good, we man. how are we holding up? Oh, you know. <laughs> Hanging in there. That's the best we can do, right? Hanging in there, doing doing our best. You know, but I'm coming off a weekend of hanging yeah. with our boy Danny Stairs mm. and Mickey, mm. who uh, is now officially my neighbor. Hey, that's pretty great. So I'm pretty pretty excited about that. That's a Things. good. That's a good crew to have hung, hung with for the weekend. That is true. That's very true. You watched uh, Encino Man. I watched Encino Man with Danny because he. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm blowing up his spot here, but he said he'd never seen Encino Man. Oh, and don't dox him, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, let's let's we got to do this. We got to waste a little juice. Yeah. Did it? Did it live up to the hype? It's it's always hard to tell with Danny, you know. <laughs> did, did it did it uh, did it do the trick for you? Still, still oh, classic. It's, yeah, still very funny. Still, uh, you know, there's it's one of those things where you watch a movie from the '80s or '90s. You always got to be like, oh no, what? Yes, what's, totally. What's gonna happen? Yeah, and there was a uh, there was an one f bomb slur yeah which is kind of you know always always like uh come on right. you know that that always is a is a bummer and yep. but it's it's also comes from a character that you hate so you're like oh good well at least yeah. it's, it's at least it's someone who sucks right yeah we talk about this that like almost inevitably any movie from before like 2000 has some sort of like horrific uh gender or uh homophobia or weird sexism stuff in it so weird sexual politics yeah yeah some some movie we remember as being beloved as a kid's movie will be like oh we better screen this before we show it to the kids and then yep (laughs) we're like "Ah, i don't think they're gonna watch this one which is a bummer but anyway yeah it's always it always is to a bummer in in bill and ted you know mm-hmm. that scene where they you know he falls down the stairs and you know he thinks 
he thinks right. Ted gets stabbed and they hug each other and yeah, in unison call each other gay slur. Just like, and that's the joke is that right. showing affection for your friend is like, makes them gay. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I'm glad that we have, um, and, and I'm glad we live in a culture now where I see when I see people on like in social media, be like, Oh man, that's so gay. You right. see people be like, really? Yeah. yeah. Come on. You're, this is what grow up and not then, cool. Zeus. <laughs> yes. Not cool. Zeus. Uh, inappropriate. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, so anyway, um, that, that aside, you know, I feel like this is a good transition, John, because I had a weekend of many indulgences. <laughs> uh huh. Go so on. I am not drinking alcohol at the moment. Same. Be- because, you know, just give myself a little bit of a break. <laughs> uh, so, what better substitute? substitute substitute (laughs) what better i was gonna say substitution yeah and i just stopped stopped it (laughs) substitute oh my god um i am not drunk if if, (laughs) as we speak but we have some sparkling waters sure do for consumption this evening that's right not not a sponsor no sadly (laughs) sadly we've been trying we've been reaching out to liquid death uh, they want nothing to do with us, evidently. <laughs> but uh, and we also have Richard's sparkling rainwater. Ooh! And I was very curious about. I mean, obviously, Liquid Death has it needs no introduction. It's a uh, ubiquitous sparkling water with a very ingenious marketing campaign of you know, being able to sell your soul to get some free water. Uh, It's got this very metal aesthetic, which I'm very into. Mm -hmm. They say to murder your thirst. Also (laughs) very into that. Yeah. Some Uh, metal font and skull melting illustration. Yeah. Love that. Richard's, on the other hand, is uh, at least the one I have is in a glass bottle. Yes. It's blue. And it has uh, just raindrops and a cloud coming from a cloud. It's a classy but looking bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- they couldn't be two more diametrically opposed <laughs> concepts. And but I'm I'm I the the, the rainwater part was, mm. but it's probably just marketing because you, you got to think about the water table and and sourcing of water and it's like couldn't we always couldn't we all argue that all water was rainwater at some point sure yeah fair um so i mean (laughs) should we uh i like that like i just okay which one should we go with first because i do want to uh, talk about some more of the marketing that they have on each of the camps i do too so you're you're saying we're we're diving into the water wars it's happening we're taught we're doing we're going back to the water wars bro Okay, well, you know what that means. It's the future. We all have gills. We drink our own pee to survive. Also, Dennis Hopper is there. Yes, it's the Waterworld theme song, America. As if you didn't know. 
it's water wars <laughs> that that paid off like gangbusters do we uh, some say i should have thought of that before two seconds prior to starting it but no it was great do we uh do we also get to punch a little girl in this of course this? yes as yeah. long as she has a tattoo of a map to land dry land right yeah, yeah, is that yeah. something i don't remember who I... knows um all right which one are we cracking open here let's start with let's start with liquid death okay mountain or spring sparkling i i only have the sparkling okay i believe mountain water is just kind of like just regular still. water yeah but, uh, let's try this shit out let's go come in a tall boy can of course yeah. 16.9 500 milliliters this cheers. infinitely recyclable cheers can of stone cold sparkling water came straight from the alps to murder your thirst the verdict um huh it's um it's soft very very soft you know, not, it doesn't. Uh, it's it's not sharp carbonation at all. No, the the Topo Chico. When I think of like that being yeah. like the most, it's like <laughs> spicy. I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. You know this this that one is so effervescent. Yeah. And this is way more soft uh, on the palate. So maybe for people who don't like a a over the top sparkling effervescence like we do with Topo Chico, this mm. this would also be um yeah. A good alternative it's pretty great i mean you followed me on my water journey you know i was once a sparkling skeptic yes i've, I've grown my palate significantly over the years of doing the pod um but i i'm this would be one that if i had had it back in my more skeptical days would have been uh would have been totally acceptable right yeah i i think if there if if someone's like, I don't know, it's, it's a bit much, this would probably be a good entry point, which is funny because it's the most aggressive in terms of its <laughs> marketing. Right. Yeah. But it's, They've talked about, you could have this at a party and perhaps if somebody didn't know what you were drinking, they'd see some cool font and melting skull and be like, dang, it's probably a sweet IPA that guy's working on. Over yeah. There. Right. Um, yeah. They have, they have, on their the side of their can, they have like these whole uh, this whole story about <laughs> when a group of teenagers set off into the mountains for a weekend of drinking regular water and plastic bottles. They became hunted by an aluminum can of mountain water that was dead set on murdering their thirsts and recycling their souls. <laughs> Once cracked open, no thirst is safe from liquid death. After ritually dismembering its thirst victims, <laughs> this brutal can of water used the severed body parts of dead thirst to build itself a fresh suit. Which flesh is suit. A, a flesh suit. <laughs> a, Much more disturbing. Yes, a flesh suit, which it used as a disguise to get a job in marketing. <laughs> but Liquid Death never took the job. It just murdered a bunch more thirst instead. Pretty good. Yeah. So it says, hashtag death to plastic. Yeah. Uh yeah. I don't know. Two uh two two gills up for me on that one. Yeah, I'll give it uh, two melting skulls. Okay. Um I'm gonna crack open the liquid death mountain water. All right. Just do a little comparison here. Yeah, I want to see like because it's so subtle, the the sparkling 
part of yeah. it. Uh, I am curious how it's just straight up water, baby. Just water. Yep. All right. Very good though. I mean, I think there's something to something from the Alps. Do you taste yes, the Alps? I taste those Alps. Um, there's something to the idea of canned water and the CO2. It's sort of being refreshing and cold and yeah. Yeah. It tastes nice. Uh, let's, let's crack open this Richard's. Let's do it. I mean, a lot more of a fizz from opening that. Yeah. Um, my bottle. There we go. Cheers. Cheers, man. Getting that nose, that water nose here. Yeah, a lot more bite mm -hmm. compared to the liquid death. Yeah, way more sparkly. This is so liquid death is mountain water and this is rain water. And th so these are distinct from something like Topo Chico, which is a mineral water. Right. And I think those for maybe some people, they don't like that mineral, mineral water taste. Yeah. Um, but like you, you were the one that turned me on to Topo Chico to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I became a Topo Chico fan pretty quickly. And mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if this is a sustainable, considering how much it is expensive. Sparkling water I drink. Yes. Um, Liquid death also not cheap. We should say. Yes. Neither. Neither are especially cheap for like when we're, if we're just talking like a single bottle or can here. I gotta say, bro. Uh, I gotta give this one. I gotta give this one to Richards. I gotta give this. Same. Um, four and a half raindrops. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think. I think I'm I'm two gills here too. I don't know. I forget my, my system now compares to. Um, you gave two gills to Liquid Death. Yeah, which I guess is, which I guess is like four or five gills, whatever. It was, oh, it was two thumbs up, two gills up. Yes, I give two gills up to uh, to the rainwater as well. Now, Richards is from Dripping Springs, Texas. There is that rainwater cocktail that's popular in Texas. Um, a ranch water, ranch water. That's what I'm thinking of um texas ranch water which i think we talked about this with topo chico that it's like a uh it's a cocktail that uses topo chico in it specifically mm. um which was from texas originally which is why is a big deal there but i thought maybe there's something to the ranch water rain water thing but uh perhaps not um putting something in a 500 uh milliliter tall boy can yeah versus uh this what is this probably like a 12 ounce bottle yeah. Um, you can fit a lot more marketing on the side of the can. That's <laughs> true. And this, I think, is interesting. It says, say hello to the water of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And this is clever. It says, caught clean, bottled fresh, local everywhere, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of funny. But it's also true that if, if we're trying to, you know, I know that there in some places, it's, it's there are local ordinances against collecting rainwater. Right. But... Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see like how much this is actually how much this is sort of marketing and how much it's actually how it works. But you know, I would hope that they're it says a hundred percent rain, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're saying uh Richard started like a, with a it's quest. It's like a rain bro in my mind. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um uh you can have that slogan for free, uh Richards. It's like a rain bro <laughs> in my mind. Um Richard started with a quest to get cleaner, better tasting water for a ranch near Austin in 1994. 
they catch the rain before it touches the ground and they never treat it with anything. They harvest rain and commit to shipping it the least distance possible. Um, so, you know, seems good. Reducing your carbon footprint and your environmental impact, however that looks, you know, I want to give props to those kinds of innovators rather than people who are just like, <laughs> you know, this is the liquid death is like straight from the Alps. And these guys are like, let's get this as close to you as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, I suppose the recycling is sort of the main thing behind liquid death and using the cans, but you know, right. it's just sparkling water in a can as opposed to like a whole sort of ethos. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is why but, I guess I'm more on board with, uh, with, yeah, with the Richards. I got to say, yeah, Richards, very, very tasty. Um, the, you know, the Topo Chico is probably my preferred go-to, but it does pack a lot of, a lot of bite, a lot of punch. This one is, is like similar on that scale, but not as hard hitting in terms of the bite. So yes. Uh, yeah, I would, it's certainly below. I would agree the Topo Chico bite, but, uh, yeah, liquid death, um, I'm just going to go back to that after drinking this Richards. Yeah. The, uh, it's way, it almost, it all liquid death almost tastes flat in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different experience, different experience, but yeah. The, uh, the liquid death sparkling water comes in a nice black can mountain water, a nice white can both look cool. Um, good performances all around in this edition of the water wars. Yes. At some point we'll have to stack them all up against each other. Yeah. I think, you know, with, with a, the unflavored ones versus the flavored ones, it's gotta be different it's rankings, tough. but. Um, hey, shout out to a uh, previous water wars contestant Sanzo. Yes. Sparkling water for getting that exclusive shang chi <laughs> i know right? sparkling water rights man that's like I, I know they were like all on the red carpet taking yeah. photos and stuff they're a relatively small and growing uh water company but uh to be able to uh get a marvel marvel deal is a, a big deal so yeah, props man. to them go ahead sanso yeah get it right on well richards liquid death you want to give us some stuff uh we'll we'll take your stuff this is free advertising for you absolutely um one thing i wanted to this is just sort of fun because i know that this is before we move on to anything else hmm. uh, you know we've we talked about uh the tony hawk games their sound the soundtracks on our yes. on our patreon if you want to get check out some of that patreon content john and i went through the tony hawk one and two uh soundtracks and this was just released today, Ooh. but Tony Hawk with some other members of uh, of Mill and Colin and former Goldfinger members and Steve Caballero, um, they covered No Cigar by Mill and Colin. And Tony Hawk sings it. Oh, is he a good singer? <laughs> uh it it works when you know because they um they obviously did some uh <laughs> pitch correction and stuff sure. but like he holds his own he holds right. his own go ahead uh, here let's play a little bit
I'm impressed and yeah. it's and it's and it's set up like a whole whole video game thing mm-hmm. he's skating along singing the words he's skating it's like like drone footage of him like skating at the camera and it's oh, it's will that song ever not make me just amped <laughs> as hell it's so good bro so good it's oh, so man. good um, so get it get it tony yeah, fascinating. How, how have we never known about his his beautiful singing <laughs> his his pipes? pipes. Yeah. I know. Got to get. We got to. Tony, if you want to start a, a skate punk band, <laughs> hell yeah, that sounds hit, great. Hit me up, bro. We had some interactions today, John, mm. on the socials. <laughs> That's true. Um, specifically, having to do with our our takes on Annie. Uh, and Adam Nye, who this was his his song, uh, mm-hmm. and and but before we get to some of those interactions, this is sort of this is relevant. We have a voicemail from our boy Danny Stairs. Hey, what's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs here. Uh, just call to say, John, I know that when I'm around you, I have to keep a very close up <laughs> watch on my mind leash because I'll just get away from that thing around you. Because Andrew's right, you're a good looking man. <laughs> Magpie for life. Thank so, you, Dan. Back at you. So this is uh, a reference to going blind. Also, uh, we got some mind leashes. We got some mind rainbows. Lots of uh-huh. things. Lots of things going on in the mind. Uh, but it's true. Uh, we we stand some uh, some Daddy John here on the pod. <laughs> Thanks, man. What is what is the line exactly? Gus is off the. Her body breaks my mind leash like Gus yeah, broke yeah. his chain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that was from Going Blind. And then we specifically called out some mind rainbows uh, from Miami. And uh, somebody yeah. weighed in on our, our yeah. comments about that. <laughs> yeah, Adam commented and he listened to the episode and he said, uh, I entirely agree with your take on Miami. Actually, so does my wife, Rachel, Annie herself. My 19-year-old self thought I had written something pretty great. My 43-year-old self finds it pretty cringy. <laughs> um, and I reply, replied with hashtag mind rainbows. <laughs> and he said that one line in the song I actually am so proud of is like Charlie Chaplin, like clapping one hand, my love cannot be heard. I mean, come on. We sent rough mixes of, we, of what we had at a certain point in the studio, the tooth and nail. And after they got it, Billy Power called us at the studio. When I answered, he immediately went into singing that line to me over the phone. That remains the pinnacle of my musical career. Yeah, that sounds pretty great. Yeah, I feel like we've had a few stories of like Billy Power singing people's <laughs> lyrics and it being like a milestone moment. Yeah, and <laughs> that's awesome. That's a good it, line. You should yeah, feel proud, is. Adam. It is. And and uh, Adam um, Adam's wife Rachel replied, "Him, uh, be nice to my song." <laughs> <laughs> that rules. Uh, you also asked him about his uh, Enneagram Four status. 
yeah he said he'd taken the test but couldn't remember and was like is that a four thing to say (laughs) (laughs) um some other fours weighing in anyway very delightful that both adam and rachel and i are (laughs) listening to our stuff and commenting on it yeah Um, get him him on the pod get him on the pod get everybody on the pod get him on the pod everybody you're welcome on the pod um delightful absolutely delightful yeah we uh john we have we we also got a a an email we did from somebody that we were both excited to have join the patreon last week yeah i can uh i can read that one uh it made me very happy to get that shout out hearing how pleased john got by saying skeletor's butthole out loud was delightful love you guys i'm a new listener (laughs) i've been listening for less than six months but i started at the beginning and now we're here keep up the good work i can never wait to see what's next sincerely skeletor's butthole (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> aka kyle richard uh who sent the email so thank you kyle slash skeletor's butthole it's a it's an honor to to say your name on the pod um we, yeah we will we will always praise uh castle gray hole now <laughs> sure Sorry. there's probably a, a porno somewhere that exists with that title <laughs> um, I, I do not want to find it <laughs> no nobody does um that's all we got for uh, for some feedback. We're we're a little we're doing things a little differently in terms of schedules. We don't have as much time this week to have collected folks' thoughts, but please keep sending in those voicemails and emails. Yes, please. Um, yes. Yeah, so before we get into the proper discussion mm-hmm. about lost it lost it she John, I have an important question to ask you. Yes, tell me. Do you want to play a game? Yes, I'm ready. In this game, we're going to be discussing things related to the Craig's Brother album, Lost at Sea, in a game I'm calling John might go back and forth on the answers, but hopefully hopefully, he comes out on top in a blaze of glory. Nailed it. Or something like that. It's beautiful. Um, all right. Are you ready, John? Um, I just hope we don't have a falling out <laughs> after this and I can uh, keep my head in a cloud. No, I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Question one. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, how long was the longest known time Someone was lost slash adrift at sea. Hmm. A, 124 days. B, 301 days. C, 484 days. Or D, 69 days. Nice. Nice. Um, boy, that's, uh, that sucks for any of those amount of days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Trying to remember, because I know there's like you know stories of people being lost and then they reach an island and then later they like share their story oh man what is the <clears throat> boy i'm going c 484 i think that's possible all right john you're right um, i mean not all right for that person but no no that was um that was a disaster <laughs> uh it was a Japanese captain, Oguri Jukichi, and one of his sailors, their ship was damaged. I guess it was those two people that were found because they had a much larger crew at the beginning. Um, 
but they were the the ship was damaged in a storm off the Japanese coast in October 1813. They drifted in the Pacific before being rescued by an American ship off of California on March 24th, 1815. Wow. So from October 1813 to March 1815. That's unbelievable. That is a long time. And they survived because they were carrying hundreds of bags of soybeans. Oh, wow. And so they lived off of the soybeans and distilled water, but 12 of the crew members died of scurvy. Wow, jeez. So <laughs> isn't that, that is, that is just so, so wild to me. That is I mean, so as, long. As far as things to have to live off of, you, you, it's soybeans pretty lucky to have. Oh on man, board. for sure. Um, I was trying to think the the person I th- thought it was going to be was that guy who was in the news relatively recently, like in the last few years. Um, who, yeah, okay, he was uh, he survived 438 days lost at sea. Maybe there's like elements to the story that don't make it count as a as a Guinness record or something but um it was something about like yeah okay uh, Salvador I mean, Alvarenga wow um well, I mean how many days was it 438 well I mean he was a uh, yeah I mean it's not one of those records you want to try and beat no I think there's but... some sort of castaway situation where he like found an island or something like that anyway bad yeah, yeah. bad all around but bad uh, for everybody yeah moving on hmm. question two do you ever wonder what franklin was thinking in 1942 that bond does uh which of these isn't a real piece of history from 1942 so one of these is fake got it a joe biden was born b the first G.I. Joe doll was introduced. C, Bambi premiered in theaters. Or D, Time Magazine's person of the year was Joseph Stalin. Gosh, the Time Magazine thing seems uh, so bizarre that it's probably true. Um, Bambi, that sounds right. Biden, that sounds right. I mean, I assume the G.I. Joe doll came out of World War II. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my gut and say B, G.I. Joe. Maybe he came a little bit later than that. You're going, Franklin was not thinking about G.I. Joe. You're correct. Uh, G.I. Joe was introduced in 1964. Yeah, that sounds more right. I feel like the 60s were sort of the heyday that I imagined for him. But I think the idea is kind of born out of the the baby boom post-war fascination. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to trick you and thinking like, oh, let's let's get something, you know, to encourage people to support the troops or whatever. But yeah, I can't slip one past you. (laughs) This is I'm, I'm on a rare roll. All right. Question three. As a parent, I'm sure you've sung a fair amount of lullabies to your kids. One of the most famous, Rockabye Baby, has some dark and ominous lyrics. A baby perched precariously on the top of a windblown tree that then falls to its demise. How calming. There are many theories about the lyrics, meaning, and origin. Which of these did I make up? Three are actual theories. One of them I made up. 
A, it was a wish for the death of the infant son of King James II of England, who could then be replaced with a Protestant king. B, the wind was an allegory for the Protestant movement and the baby was England. C, in Nordic and pagan culture, the tree was actually a symbol of rebirth. So the dark tones of the song mean something different in Scandinavia. Or D, it originated in the United States when pilgrims witnessed Native, uh, Native Americans placing babies in cradles made of bark. This is fascinating. I feel like I should have looked up this before, and I, ne- I somehow never have, because I have always wondered that. Yeah, there um, are a lot. There are more. There are a lot of these different. There's like no actual known yeah. answer, I don't think. They're just a bunch of different theories. What is mind? No matter. What is matter? Never mind. Uh, <laughs> frosty chocolate milkshakes. Um, so I'm going to say that a lot of those sort of old English nursery rhymes have sort of terrifying connotations to them. So I'm going to stick with England. Okay. Um, as in which one? As in those two England ones I think are real. Okay, okay. I could see the United States one as being real, even though that, it seems like it's older than that, but who knows. But uh, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Scandinavian one. There's a little too much black metal influence there. I think that's just your your predilection for Scandinavian metal there. All right. You're right. <laughs> Rock, baby. <laughs> um, the, uh, it is the, um, I guess, in, in pagan culture, the uh, the tree is a symbol of rebirth, so, I believe. So, Hell yeah. You know, you know uh, but I did make that shit up. Um, <laughs> I think it's time for a new a new version of Rock by Baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, down. Down, welcome, baby. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yep, nailed it. Uh, John, three for three. Hey. You going for that clean sweep tonight? Mm, we'll see. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to up the difficulty on these. <laughs> Could be. Maybe I'm, uh. We'll see how you do. Maybe, just hope you, hopefully you don't embarrass yourself on this question, because speaking mm. of American princes, how can we not talk about our country's most important prince? Ooh. Prince. Uh, I hope I don't fuck this up. <laughs> in 1985, Prince and the Revolution released Around the World in a Day, which included the track America. What is this song about? A, impending nuclear war. B, traveling the country satisfying his sexual desires. <laughs> C, a patriotic and religious song expressing God's favor in America. Or D, it's mostly about Paisley Park in Minnesota. I wish it was D. Um, I am going to say A, impending nuclear war. I, I, I feel like I can hear him saying nuclear or weapons or something like that in my mind when I think about the song. So I'm going A. John, you are one question closer to, I think, the first. I, I think don't want so. to. Hey, don't jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Prince Prince albums are notoriously sexy, but this was not like a a bone a bone across America song. I wish it was like I've been everywhere except for like all the places Prince has boned down. 
Yeah, I want to. Noah been to Memphis. <laughs> Noah boned in France. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, let's. I want to. I want to like get a map and just go like go on a <laughs> Prince's boning world tour. <laughs> Oh, which, uh, which I'm assuming it, it would just be every place that he's ever toured. One, <laughs> yeah. one would have to presume he's boned right. every place he's ever been on tour. Just leaving a beautiful purple <laughs> carpet behind him. I don't know. That sounds gross. <laughs> hey, don't knock the purple carpet to you, China. It's complicated, but satisfying. <laughs> Is does the carpet match the drapes? Hey, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that was supposed to mean. Yeah, like, do we want it to? <laughs> if I, you I, do, then yeah, it does. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, okay, question five. Uh, divorce. It ain't easy, no matter the circumstances. Mm. But some cases are unique. I scoured the internet for bizarre divorce stories and sadly found a lot. Three of these divorce stories are real. One is fake. Which one did I make up? So these are reasons that people got divorced. Okay. A, his penis was too big. Sure. B, she accidentally threw out his comic collection. Mm. C, he didn't like Frozen. <laughs> or D, she spent $42,000 on psychic hotlines. These all seem very plausible. There's a lot riding on this, Andrew. I'm four There's, for four here. You are four for four, John. Um, this, is, this is a big. This is a big. Uh, a big moment. I'm trying. I feel like this when when there's some that are like, whoa, that's that is uh, out of nowhere and therefore possibly ridiculous. It's like, but it's so there. It's probably true. Like the frozen thing. I'm I'm guessing is probably true. Um, his penis was too big. I mean. That just, it seems like a headline that you'd read it somewhere like New Needs. Jersey woman divorces man, claims <laughs> That's penis a daily was problem and a problem, am I right, John? Hey, I'm always getting divorced <laughs> because of that. <laughs> you're giant, you're giant donger. Um, gosh, I don't know. I'm torn. Um, all right, so you're, you're feeling good that, um, Frozen seems true. Yeah. Pen- penis seems like a, a attention-grabbing headline. Yeah. So it's between B and D. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go B. She accidentally threw out his comic collection. If it had been like intentional, maybe I could see some legal grounds there. But like, if it's an accident, it seems extreme to be like this is over. Yeah, none of the none of these are <laughs> extreme. Not situations. like not liking a movie. That's. <laughs> See, it just seems so weird. I gotta. I'm. I'm. I'm yeah. sticking with that one. You're going B. Yeah. Uh, she. That's the one I made up. Mm. John, congratulations. <gasps> what? You got wow. your first five out of five quiz. Wow. Yay, for me. You know, I'd like to thank my team. I'd like to thank uh, uh, these years of of hard work. They finally paid off. Um, I've been doing flashcards every night in prep, um, but it's finally happened. Uh, three and change years later, I finally nailed a five out of five. John, Thank this you. is um, next. Next quiz is just going to be. It needs to be much Brutal. more difficult. I. <laughs> this is. But you know, I do want to. I do want to note um, that some of the some of the those that I found the the frozen one. <laughs> 
the frozen one yeah that was uh i believe it was from japan um i think the man with the penis who that was too big uh as in palatine illinois right (laughs) exactly it's palatine um i think it was uh i think she said that like trying to have sex with him was a nightmare so i'm just like that sounds awful all of this sounds sounds terrible that's what I say to that. <laughs> Perfect. We'll have the scre- app open, so I'm gonna keep using it. We'll help scream for everybody. <laughs> that was her. That was her and her marriage. She was saying that she was making that sound too often and had to call it a day. Yeah, she did. Is this good? <laughs> is, this, <laughs> is this a good bit? <laughs> this is a great bit. Um, all right, John. So should we uh what, what was in, that? In a world. Where John wins for the first time. I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm closing the app now. So when we come back, John, I feel like you and I are about to be adrift at sea for 484 days. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get lost. Um, are we'll they eventually, gonna? We'll eventually be found. <laughs> it's true, but not on this record. We won't be. Mm. Uh, will Craig's brother have to walk the plank? Find out <laughs> when we come back. Hi, my name is Stephen Long, and I host a show here on Rock Candy called Sacred Tension. It's about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. If you find yourself uncomfortable in your faith, or if you find yourself caught between modern science and ancient religion, or if you're curious about the journeys of others who are sorting out faith and doubt, Sacred Tension is a place where nothing is off limits. You will find conversations with pastors, cult experts, spiritual leaders, and skeptics, all discussing the ways we navigate the faiths we were given find sacred tension right here on rock candy and wherever you listen to podcasts and we're back is this the dashboard confessional podcast <laughs> you know we made a similar joke last episode being right. like isn't it isn't it funny that like it starts with an acoustic guitar and this is an indie record but then it shreds yeah okay. um well, <laughs> here on, the, on this album um mm. this is more the uh more the vibe yeah emo not a not a far cry from a lot of what's going on here yeah um this is an interesting record uh it's um it's a record that i've i've gotten the impression from a number of craig's brother fans that it lands for them differently and it is not their favorite yes that's that's what i understand as well um and you know We'll get into this more next week, not to uh, blow our takes for that, but I would say even the band seems to have maybe course corrected a bit and uh, gone back to a sound that's more similar to Homecoming uh, yep. for their next few releases after this one. So, you know, we say this uh, with pretty much every band we cover uh, that there is always an album around 2001 when this album came out that's like kind of out of left field for the band. And yeah. Sounds different, sounds more produced, sounds more straight ahead rock, perhaps trying to cross over. Perhaps that's just what was in the zeitgeist at the moment, but inevitably they kind of stick out like a sore thumb. They don't 
usually work super well as far as like most fans are concerned and i don't think this is an exception what's kind of different is like usually bands in that trajectory have like a few albums under their belt with a certain right. sound and then they sort of swerve and to have their like second release go in such a different direction must have been surprising um yeah for and, folks yeah and something that i that i had read was um that the way the band was interacting with tooth and nail at the time yeah that this album was getting there was like some animosity with tooth and nail and yes i guess with even maybe with the christian bookstores as as we had mentioned last last episode and that yeah. this album kind of got shelved for a while yeah and it, uh... and then didn't promote it and so right i mean i didn't i didn't even really know about this record when it came out yeah that seems to be uh, a lot of people's experience it was this was released february 27th 2001 on tooth and nail um but yeah they <laughs> this was you know we touched on this a bit in the last episode that it was already sort of a dicey relationship between the band and the label um and apparently they got into trouble with tooth and nail when they added a choir to the opening track <laughs> which pushed them over budget which is is perfectly in keeping with the rest of how this album is <laughs> like let's throw yeah. in a, a big expensive choir right here um and yes also a, a photograph posted on their website uh, of Juice Cabrera giving the middle finger uh, earned more complaints from the Family Christian Bookstore, <laughs> which led to them uh, once again dropping the band. And then that led to Tooth and Nail uh, dropping the band. So them putting out this album uh, and then they essentially had the, the album finished in 2000 um, and it went unreleased for almost a year. Uh, and then when they finally did put it out you know the the distribution was was scarce they did next to nothing to market and promote it uh the band says and so sales were low and the band disbanded later in 2001 so that's a lot of stuff to have and to happen in just that couple year stretch there that um, and new like a new band you know a new half right, of the band right. was um i think that probably contributed to some yes. of the songwriting shift that we right. experienced on this record and uh not always for the better yeah uh you know you you mentioned i don't know if there's anything else you would want you want to say before we get into the record uh maybe just a few more sort of you know facts about uh sure, sure, it's sure. recording um it was produced uh, by Darren Gron, who had mostly done technical work uh, and mostly in metal at that point. Um, but he was an engineer on Metallica's Reload, which is pretty rad. Uh, not a beloved album, but, you know, still a cool credit to have. Uh, he recorded Veruca Salt's Eight Arms to Hold You, which is an album I liked a lot growing up. Um, and it was uh, recorded and mixed at Greenhouse Studios in Vancouver. So different different folks all around there. Um, it You know, it's very... <laughs> Lots of production sound, lots of elements. I cannot handle the reverb vocals on every track. Man. That's sort of my main takeaway here. Dude, the thing that... So this reminds me... Uh, so <laughs> there's like phaser and tremolo on yeah. just about all of the guitar, all the guitars. Yes. Yeah. It's just that, that sort of washy 
right. sound on the guitars, which is just not the vibe of <laughs> that. I'm it's again, like we we've talked about this with just about every band this season that it's just like, they, they're going for a big swing and, um, and in this case, it's like, not only is it just, Hey, let's try some interesting f- effects on the guitars. Let's try and put it on every song. And <laughs> right. also let's get choirs and strings and, right. yeah. and 10,000 didgeridoos. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's just, it's, it's too much. Yeah. A lot of this I, album is just too much. Yeah. And as we talked about on the Patreon, like, I think I like a lot of these songs, but the production of them is kind of get kind of kills them for me. Like, yeah, we, we talked about lullaby. We did. Yeah. How I, that's like what they did on the, that, that demo version is just like, mm-hmm. it felt more true to form. Right. The, the original versions of a few of these songs felt more in line with, classic skate punk Craig's brother sound. And I think you can tell that they're talented songwriters and performers here. It's just not, it's just not for me. I, I miss the punk sound of homecoming. I think there are plenty of elements to appreciate here. Um, you know, I don't, there's not much I like truly dislike. I mostly just think it's fine and just like not quite for me. Um, I feel like the interesting points to me are when they're sort of trying something that feels particularly unique or that stands out. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise the production just kind of tips into that sort of radio rock sound of that era that I had never really got into. So, you know, to me, it's actually, it's, it's, you're, I mean, you're right. It's, it does have some more rock elements and it kind of reminds me of uh, how on REM's monster, how they, they, used well, that like, tremolo. The, the tremolo a lot yeah <laughs> and yes. it's like this is the same it's like hey th- it worked well on one song why don't we just use the tremolo and phaser <laughs> every time and, and everything and whatever effects they're using on the guitars and and it just it it doesn't it doesn't work for me and yep. so ultimately what i what you get on, on this is there's not a lot of memorable moments for me yeah and uh in the ways that homecoming i felt like and some of their uh, the, the albums that come after this i think have some more memorable and hooky moments uh and also i want to note that this you know was largely recorded in 2000 and uh pitch correction and auto tuning stuff was a relatively new right production tool at the time but there are times on this record where it's so obvious mm-hmm. that and like I'm not saying like oh like in pop music like I don't care most records use it Right. And like, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not like somebody that's like, oh, you can't be punk rock and use pitch correction or whatever. Like, right. everybody that's recording an album is uh, tweaking everything with an inch of its life to even like drums and all that stuff. So yeah. that's not my problem. The problem is like, it's weird and distracting. Like, right. That, like, it to a point where it's like, that probably should have been caught. 
right, about yeah. by how like clear and weird and warbly it sounds. Yeah, I just his vocals overall, I just it, it seems so different from. It, yes, it does. Homecoming, and not in a it way that I'm really like on board with. Trying something different, right? The yeah. way he emphasizes things, or way he, I don't, I don't even know how to describe the tone, but it's a very different sound. Ted's voice just sounds different. Yeah. Because he, we, then uh, he goes back to what I normally think of Ted's voice sounding like. Yeah, yeah, right. No, so I, I don't agree. know if it was just like a an in-studio thing where the guy's like, hey, sound more rock or something. Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't. Yeah, could be. Let's, uh, let's dive in and get lost here. All right. Well, join me on the, join me on the chopper, John. <laughs> get to the chopper. <laughs> I don't. So this song is okay. Um, I it could have been two minutes and 53 seconds, but then they added on like an additional two minutes of choir and then like hitting the chorus again. There's a helicopter. Uh, There's a helicopter. There's like machine guns. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. It's like a it's like a whole fucking movie. Right. (laughs) This this track. Yeah. And lots of reverb and like a sweet child of mine opening solo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of like the chord progression. Um, the like, yeah. if it was again, like sort of a more stripped down version of the song, I think I'd probably be into it. Um, but that immediate huge reverb on the guitar and on the vocals, I'm just like, I just, I can't get on board. Um and that, yeah, the, I mean, the war sounds, the choir, it's it's over the top. Um, and it's like so over the top. I, I can appreciate the ambition on this song and throughout, but it's like, I don't know, a fine line between like ambitious and like over the top too much. Um, so I don't know. I, I agree. It's okay. This is a music by Andy, lyrics by Andy and Ted song. Um and it's kind of a, you know, like a war is hell song. Um, but I think there's there's a little bit of a loose concept album idea introduced here, I think. That's like kind of a through, a through line throughout. Um, and I think the idea is here, it's like, 
from the perspective of soldiers who leave a war by sailing away on boats, um, but getting lost at sea as a result. So throughout the record, they kind of use war and being lost at sea metaphorically, like songs about ends of relationships that maybe felt like war, feeling lost at sea in the wake of those relationships ending. That's kind of the vibe that I get. Yeah, you know, and see, this is one of my critiques um, and why I I feel like how this album went so different from Homecoming. What I loved about Homecoming, one of the things I talked about was like the specificity. It felt mm-hmm. super personal. I don't know... Yeah there's nothing nothing i don't feel any personal anything personal happening in this song for me like i don't feel like you know like trying to invoke i wonder what this person was thinking it's like that's fine and everything um but there was there's nothing that was in this this album doesn't draw me in where i'm like we were dissecting all of the lyrics on Mm -hmm. the first record and really getting into the meat of things and like being like oh i think it's about this and it's like that and like there's nothing on this record that like leaves me with that level of like uh introspection where i'm like oh this is really the depth for like these young dudes i'm like i was impressed and yeah yeah i just i just felt like the i there was not much for me to really care about like i feel connected to yeah i think there are a few sort of moments that that i i find interesting but i do think for the most part they're kind of using these metaphors like sort of poetic stand-ins for maybe processing something that's happening but i will say sort of like i think when faith is is mentioned on the record i do think there's some interesting stuff and i'm not i'm not trying to dismiss the whole record i'm just like yeah yeah, yeah, this one in particular in, in general the I'm, I just, and maybe it's just because I don't have that same connection as I did to homecoming. And yeah, I didn't have that connection and I feel the same way. So <laughs> okay, that's fair. I don't think you're alone. I mean, yeah, I was just going to say like, there's, there's even less direct evangelical messaging throughout the record here than there is on homecoming. And usually when faith is mentioned, it's sort of to call out hypocrisy or to sort of wrestle with belief. So I think the times that they sort of get into that, I do think there's like some stuff to chew on here, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm so curious to see what your top three is going to be. <laughs> I struggled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a soft three. Sure, I feel right, which you you never want to have. You never want to have a um, soft three, bro. <laughs> I I do feel pretty confident ultimately about what I went with, but I think they are sort of surprising. They're not necessarily what I would have expected on my first listen, maybe. So anyway, I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, uh, yeah. Should we move on to the aforementioned lullaby? We should. It's like the same chords as the last it's, song. It also. does. It, it <laughs> is almost the exact same. Like the way the way glory ends and then uh-huh. lullaby when lullaby begins, it's like this sounds like the same song. The first time I listened through, I was like, is this the, the same track continuing? Stop. 
They made it such a boring song. Yeah. Yeah. As you mentioned in the first half, we both prefer the faster punk version that's on the demo. Yeah. Uh, that one made more sense as a Craig's Brothers song. This one is just like, yeah, it's, kind of a slog. <laughs> it is a slog. Um, he, so I want to mention a couple things. Um, so Glory... Uh, the opening song is four minutes and 53 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then the last track lost at sea is seven minutes and nine seconds mm -hmm. combined. That's 30% <laughs> of the record. In those, yeah. in those two songs. Right. Um, it's too much. And yeah. uh, especially after like a lot of these glory and lullaby are too we're looking at eight minutes of, of the first two tracks combined and it's just so yeah slow. Everything is so slow and it's for an album that to me feels overproduced mm -hmm. and like with a lot going on lullaby has like almost nothing going on. It right. just feels so like there, it just doesn't feel like there's much life in it. And right. I like a lot of the vocal melodies that Ted yes. has I really like that about the song. Yeah. But it's so much of it is boring and I yeah. don't, and I don't, and it's, it's too bad because like I thought with, when we were listening to those early recordings, I'm like, there's something there. And I, right. I thought like taking it into a studio would make it even like more <laughs> refined, but they like made it more sleepy. It's just a yeah. Very, they, I mean, yeah, we talked I know about, it's called lullaby, but it's like, <laughs> I thought this was a punk rock lullaby. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about on the Patreon, those early recordings and I like the song lullaby. I think there's a cool chord progression, a cool vocal melody, as you're saying, this is just such a, I don't know. It's an execution of it that doesn't do anything for me. And to bring up everybody's favorite subject sequencing, um, there aren't like a ton of burners on this record but i think they would have been served well by throwing one in at track two to kind of oh yeah pick up the energy a little bit <laughs> um, yeah i don't i don't i don't think starting out your album with a nearly five minute epic of of war right. and then going into it's just, yeah, man, it's, it just, everything start. And then you go into Masonic, which is the third song, which starts off acoustic. Yeah. I think for, for probably a lot of Craig's brother fans that heard this, they were like, what <laughs> is going on? I imagine that's the case. Um, yeah. We should say music and lyrics by Ted on lullaby. Um, I just, as soon as those like reverb evokes start, I just like, I can't, I can't do it. Um, there's also like a weirdly abrupt ending I feel like in the song just kind of stops it does yeah um, and it's like is this another false ending like with glory right. yeah they're all <laughs> just kind of bleeding into each other um, 
which I guess is sort of concept album-y, but it's usually happening in a way that I'm like, wait, what's going on? Um, very kind of poetic lyrics here. I'm not exactly sure what's happening. You know, if you want to go with the sort of concept album idea, loose concept, it could be the, the notion here that he's sort of accepting his fate. You know, it's like, it's very dark and angry, sort of the idea that like, there's nothing left for me to shout about or rant at. So I'll accept that closing my mouth is the best option here and just kind of accepting it. So I don't know. That's kind of what I get out of it at least. Yeah. I, there's, there's stuff that I like about the song and it, in another, in another reality probably could have ended up on my, yeah, my top three, but yeah, I think with different production, a lot of these songs actually would have worked for me pretty well, but yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Masonic. That's my number three. It's my number three as well. Oh shit. Yeah. I um I like Dan McClintock's voice with yeah. Ted's. I there's like almost like Billy Joe Armstrong yes. adjacent. That's exactly what I put in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got that kind of <laughs> quality. Yeah, he <laughs> you does. Know what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. I don't so we should say that Dan was part of um a band called uh inspection 12 mm-hmm. and uh this was his his only craig's brother yeah uh record he he was doing inspection 12 before craig's brother and seemingly also during craig's brother and yeah. after craig's brother so yeah uh they didn't really go on to do much after that they I think they stopped putting out records yeah. um, not long after also after Craig's brother uh, broke up. He, so. uh, yeah. He did the music and lyrics to this one too. Yeah. Um, seems like a, a cool uh, singer songwriter. Yeah. I kind of, I do sort of miss uh, Ted's vocals just cause I like Ted's vocals a lot, but I do think he sounds, Dan sounds nice here. It's a, it's a pretty melody. It's a pretty 
vocal. I like how it sort of builds into the chorus. Um, yeah. And at first, like you're saying, when it began with the acoustic opening, I was a little bit like, oh boy, another one of these kind of like totally different straight ahead rock songs. But I feel like it builds into something satisfying. There's a lot of cool elements. I like the guitar parts, but I feel like the bridge, if you want to call it a bridge, is particularly cool. Uh, could we hear like uh, at 245? That's where it kind of does this interesting yeah. thing. It's cool. I like that. Yeah, the the the, har- the harmonies on this song are are great and totally. Yeah, um, I think it's you know you talked about how you missed Ted's you like Ted's voice and I do too, mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to this record, there's yeah. something very yeah, off yeah. about it. Sure, and I don't I don't know what to attribute that to. So I yeah. think Dan coming in and and holding this song down with with ted works well yeah no i totally agree i think that's why yeah it stands out for us it feels different um as my other two do um thematically i think another end of relationship uh lyrics uh if you want to continue the sort of lost at sea concept album idea he talks about how the guy deserves to walk the plank so i think there's tying that in a little bit here but yeah Yeah, i you know don't don't the good guys win in the end is sort of like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is this like a, you know, nice guys, finish, anthem. <laughs> nice guys finish last sort of thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm really curious. I don't know enough about their personal lives. Uh, yeah. If there was a divorce around this time for one of them or yeah, if it was just something that was on their minds, but a lot of these songs are about these ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to point fingers about you know any sort right, of right. like incelly based. You know, just because <laughs> no, know. someone's relationship goes bad, I don't want the people right. to think we're like. You no, know. I know. But yeah, a lot of them are from this sort of angry place, uh, post yeah. or mid breakup, where it's like, yeah, villainizing different people involved. So. Yeah, and I think. Um, this uh this next song is a uh is a lyrics by Ted, so yeah, one would presume. Right. Divorce. She's breaking up, she's falling down, she's holding her fists up now. Ride me by face, but we don't look the same. She walks away on bloody knees, with a swollen face, hides her tears. My mind to her words, but my This is my number one. Okay. Yeah. 
this is this is what i think they should have put as the second song on the album by the way <laughs> yeah it's um it's not without its flaws um sure. you know as i i had sort of mentioned at the at the top of this segment the if you if you're gonna have the vocals be so upfront in the beginning mm-hmm. You gotta right. make sure they sound really clean. But like, <laughs> listen to this—the uh, part where uh, he says, "Hides her tears." Mm-hmm. Hides her tears. My mom- yeah, tears. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and this isn't even the worst defender on this record. There's sure. another song where it, it's—I mean, I can forgive, like you know, but that it. <laughs> It sounds like it sounds like a robot. Sounds processed, yes. Yeah, it's very processed, and um, and I don't think that they had a lot of this this going on when Homecoming, right? So, I mean, because Ted has the pipes, you know. It's yes. just I just don't... I think the little flaws in Homecoming are part of what makes it cool. Yeah, that he's like doesn't hit every note perfectly, but I'd rather hear that than like a robot <laughs> <laughs> claiming to hit it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like he's underwater. (laughs) This was like exactly when uh, Tiger Jack was recording our like proper studio uh, record, by the way. And this was like, yeah, pretty much brand new software. Yeah. The like auto tune thing. And we made great use of it, but I'm sure it sounds a little weird looking back. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I do like this one. I like that it sounds like a punk song. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I like the harmonies. Um, overall though, it just doesn't do too much for me. It never really like, I like that it's the next gear for me. I like that it's personal. It feels relatable. Um, rather than like some overarching big picture, uh, song that they're trying to do with the, I guess their, their war and war and stuff. Their, that theme. Yeah. Uh, And I can understand, you know, the pain and the anger and, and, and I like, I feel like the, um, the end of the song really does kind of, uh, kicks it up a notch, especially with the, um, the sort of some of the, not the repetition, but Mm -hmm. like the, you know, well, maybe I guess it's the, I'm tired of uh, section that, so let, let's just play a little bit of that. Sure. That, yeah. that that to me is just sort of this culmination of, sure. of the song and and the sort of the the soaring um, mm-hmm. uh harmonies that they have yeah. it just it sounds good but like i said it's not sure it's not that soft flaws. one yeah it's yeah. a soft it's a soft one <laughs> it's um i don't know soft one is worse than a soft three bro <laughs> i think so um yeah those harmonies go a long way yeah for me um yeah i, I mean 
this is what I struggle with a little bit is like, you know, the song is called Divorce. There's no mistaking that's what it's about. It's a dark, angry song again from the perspective yeah. of the person leaving the relationship. I just don't know if it's like a story from someone's life specifically or yeah. a general story. Cause he's talking about bloody, she's got bloody knees and a swollen face. And I'm like, if you're trying to make us sympathetic to the guy in the situation, you know, it could be that she's got bloody knees cause she's pleading on her knees and she's got a swollen face from crying, but it, it implies some domestic violence. I feel like, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe we're not supposed to side with either of them, but it's, it's about somebody leaving and we're supposed to sort of, understand that i don't know it's a it's a weird kind of disturbing picture here um yeah it's hard to understand yeah um yeah that was the... a uh music by andy lyrics by ted yeah anyway what were you gonna say no no i i think i mean it's a valid it's a valid point um she's holding her fists up now you know maybe she's fighting back for once yeah i don't know it's hard to but it's, hard it's to but, the, yeah. but but the end of the song is uh yeah, uh, this this singer. I don't want to say this is Ted, but the that yeah, the narrator. The narrator is the one who's who's done wrong by. Right. I thought that was kind of the. I thought the direction they were going from the way the song starts was that it's like it is sort of this. You know, the woman's kind of rising up and leaving, which I could understand more. But anyway, who's to say what's going on? It's, uh, there'll be more to dissect along these lines. Yeah, <sighs> head in a cloud. <laughs> Maybe your view of quality is more than you can be. When you wow, bear your wow, body, wow, all the days wow. are stoically. But all that you can see is inferiority. Here I am. It's, I can't, okay, so here, I just want to stop for a second. There's <laughs> the, 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 the vocal quality of what he's doing that I'm tr- I can't really put a finger on. That's like uh, all you can see inferiority. It's like this weird, like it's it just yeah, doesn't yeah. sound right natural to yeah. to like what he what we just heard him do on the previous record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what it is. It's it's usually when he's ending a, a word. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it's called. I don't know what there's probably a term for it, a singing term. But anyway, yeah. I, I just know. I just need to, I just. Can, I just want to back up the. It's on inferiority. Sure. Inferiority. Um, not my favorite. Agreed. That that immediate wah pedal sound just puts me off. It's like brown, brown, brown. I just so like, I was trying to look up all the different terminology for these different kinds of effects. Mm-hmm. And there's phaser, there's flanger, there's tremolo, right. there's chorus, and a lot of them are very similar in their. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's one that has like the more of like the like almost like a sound of like a plane taking off like mm. 
Right, right, right. Yeah. But and but some of these are just so overdone. And it's and I don't want I don't want these on my on my punk rock records. <laughs> yeah. Keep <laughs> maybe, your maybe keep like your <laughs> tremolos out of my Craig's brother. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um uh, it's I do think I mean like okay, so that that part throws me immediately. Then those kind of bad religionist harmonies come in, and I'm like, okay, okay. They always save me with those a little bit. Um, but overall, I just think it's kind of boring musically. This is a music and lyrics by Ted. In terms of like lyrics, I actually feel like there's a lot to unpack here. Um, and I could be misinterpreting it, but like it strikes me as a kind of companion piece to insult to injury if what I was saying about that song was correct in our last right. episode in terms of sort of naming that someone's beliefs prevent them from being compassionate to other people, like only kind of seeing others condescendingly. So I think there are some interesting lyrics. He's like, you bear your ideology so stoically that all you can see is inferiority, like just sort of looking down on other people, other ways of belief. I don't know. And then the, you know, I think the ending hits pretty hard. He's like, I'm losing the faith that youth hold in longevity. I guess that's the price for bartering naivety, preferring the comfort that the skeptic takes in disbelief, um, which I think is that there's a lot there. Um, yeah. But then ends with, I'm not going to give up, which is kind of this hopeful note. So I don't know. I, I, there's a lot there. I think it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the line and I don't mind the quitters mm-hmm. so much as the thieves. Yes. You know, right. I think that's, I think, uh, that is an interesting concept, especially when you, when you determine like who's the quitter and who's the thief, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was so saying he, maybe it. he's like pe- people who give up on the faith faith. He's like, I don't, I, I would rather the, the, them, the honest people that are being like, you know what? I, like, I don't believe this anymore versus the people who are trying to pull a fast one on you. Right. Like he was talking about with uh, insult to injury. Yes, I, that's the same way that I interpreted it. And I assume that, that that is what's happening here, which I think is cool to be exploring. Um, I just wish it was on a better song. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's a few of these where I'm like, the lyrics is really a lot here. Music, a little harder. Um, but again, I, I, there's probably a version of the song that I could get on board with that didn't have all those effects on it. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I think, and we talked about this on the Patreon too, with those early demos, you know, sort of, Christian hypocrisy was something they were always really interested in sort of probing and like uh, challenging. And I have always appreciated that about them. I probably would have appreciated that idea as a kid if I was hearing it then, but I, but I still do now. I don't know this idea that there's like, there's freedom to, to question um, even within the world that it's from. I always, we always talk about having appreciated that as a, yeah thematic stream anyway yeah um so this is um the next song back and forth is another interesting song lyrically Mm. uh it's my least favorite song on the record you know what it is for me is it your number one? Oh my god, bro. <laughs> Jesus. Late at night alone in the bathroom. Freaking out because you just can't control everything that happens around you. Setting stone with no proof of a 
eyes of your fears The wagging of tongues Whispering shame Upon eager ears And all the plans that you laid out too carefully Falling short of your need your victory. Okay, let's hear it <laughs> This is what I was alluding to when I was like I'm curious to hear your top three because what I put together as mine were not necessarily the ones that is this, I would have is this, a, is, this, is this a soft one or is this a hard one? No, it's a soft one. I mean, they're okay. all, at, to your same point, uh, none of these, you know, my color coding system, as you as you well know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green means I think it's fine. Yellow means I really like it. Red means no good. This whole album is green for me. There's no yellow at all. So, you know, there's nothing that that is like, super connects with me here but what i think is interesting i mean i totally understand why it doesn't hit for you this is a song that that has everything (laughs) multiple key changes that thing where a string section comes in at the climax um it's a lot as far as like over the top songs this is certainly uh, a contender for that title as well uh but you know i but I think it's interesting. Like you got uh, Sean from yellow card coming in on violin. You got a cool fretless bass halfway through a string section comes in. Is it too much? Uh, Perhaps, but I think it's cool. And I feel like they mostly pull it off. I would like to hear the build of the bridge at like two fifty four. That's a satisfying culmination for me. Here we go. You got your strings. Ooh. Hold on a second. Oh shit. Back and forth. I think that's cool. I like that. It's a little much, but it works for me. I don't know. <laughs> I I just there's there's more in here that I feel like to talk about lyrically than Yes, there's a lot to talk about lyrically. But too. also but the production, I can't even listen to the song because it's so <laughs> distracting. The yeah, the effects that they did on his vocals, I just think they did him. I think they did Ted a disservice. It's possible. It's possible to me that it's like they thought he wasn't singing well enough, but he was singing like Ted, and he was singing like the lead yeah. singer of Craig's brother. Right, right. And so they're trying to apply these effects to, but it just. Make maybe that's what I'm hearing at the end of his vote at the end of his vocal runs is yeah. not runs, but like at the end of his uh at the end of these lines that it just it's some of the production quality that's doing something to it that I just don't like or it just yeah. is distracting. But it's so the pitch correction is so over the top on this song that I, it's yes. so distracting to me. I hear you. And I think the first time through I was like, really? Now we're getting strings in here, but like I just kind of let my you know, I try to give myself over to the wavelength of the album and i'm like if we're doing strings and reverie vocals at least this kind of like my ears perk up at that section that we heard i'm like okay this is coming together in a way that's like actually propulsive and sort of like working for me versus the sort of just like washing over guitar pedal sound that just kind of like makes it feel like heavy for me this feels like something interesting um and yeah those lyrics i really dig them here it's like uh, is another kind of calling out religious hypocrisy in my interpretation of it, at least that, you know, he's calling out the powerful, or at least those trying to keep people out, you know, your so-called faith keeps you terrified of anything that threatens your standing. I says. love it. 
I it's love so that. good, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, this is that nothing has changed in 20 years. If anything, it's totally. worse. Yep. Yep. He says, you know, that part about the eyes of the world, the eyes of the church, the eyes of your peers, the wagging of tongues, whispering shame upon eager ears. I think that's really cool. Like, it is great. Just, it's those. That's a great, again, I just wish this were a different right. song. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But the, but, you know, I, I just think, I can't help but think about so many when I see so many conservative Christians being like, I, you know, I, I have the Lord. I refuse to live my life in fear. And it's like, bro, you're afraid of you're like so everything. Afraid. You're yes. afraid of everything that yeah. challenges the status quo of what you think the church is and what it means to be in a, a privileged position. Anybody yeah. having, uh, you know what? What's the the line? Every everything feels like oppression when you're when you're accustomed mm-hmm. to privilege. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, it's yep. like so. Anybody getting something that you've always had is like that's not that's not somebody that's just equality. Right. Totally. <laughs> you know, and that's not even talking equity, which would be right. you know, right. uh, people who have been screwed over who deserve some sort of justice for for what they've been put through. But yeah. Um, I, I just think there's, there's a lot that's interesting and I love that this is the direction that, that the band continues to go. Yep. Yeah. They've, they've, they've always done that. And I really admire that about them. Um, this is a music and lyrics by Dan and Ted together on both of those things, which is the only case of that on this record, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it's called back and forth, this idea of, back and forth the orchestra plays but neither side is tuned to the other i think that's really cool too like it's yeah, just a, it is. a strong metaphor i mean i assume it's sort of about those excluded and those included in this world um yeah and yeah. uh yeah i i love that and i think when you think about the idea of a um an orchestra out of tune playing mm-hmm. it just sounds right. awful and like noise and nothing yeah. works and and who's benefiting like literally nobody in that situation is benefiting. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's part of why the strings coming in works for me. Cause it's like in this orchestra theme, it like, it's a bit on the nose. The, sure. Sure. But it just feels like it's such good sort of climactic lyrics. And it comes with this like, it just feels like cool to me. I don't know. It's like all these epics and opuses on this record. And this is one that for me pulls it off. I don't know, but yeah, I'm going to read a little more lyrics because I can't stop reading lyrics, but he says at the end, uh, pull the shutters and tighten the blindfold, turn away anyone who doesn't fit the mold. The story goes untold. Despite the righteous beliefs that you profess, you still can't cover the stain that marks your Sunday dress. I assume that's sort of like a, you know, you, you're trying to hide your participation in, you know, structural sin if you want to call it that yeah um and you pretend that everything is like that you're the you're the good in this scenario but like everyone can see your participation in in this like injustice so anyway i just i think it works really well yeah and the the pulling the shutters Mm -hmm. um i mean that that image of the church locking itself into its own building Mm, totally you know like so you're you're like shutting yourself into the building like Mm -hmm. like you're keeping people out but you're keeping yourself in yeah totally and i it's just like we we've talked about this the entirety of the pod like our former denomination doing that with the with with lgbtq community and right 
and it's like that you're you're just like this was 20 years ago and it's it's nothing changes and the uh orchestra is nobody's Mm. tuned everybody's everybody's fucking out of tune bro and i there's this is i just like this i like this song a lot for the lyrics yeah um and it just bums me out that it's my least favorite song. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I just think I find it so interesting. And I guess that's what I'm overall. A lot of these songs just like don't move the needle much. Yeah. Me. So when there's something's happening, going, I there's a attention. lot going on on the song. Yes. yes. Which uh, is why I think I'm just like, I, I don't I can't. I'm, not, I'm just so not here for so much of it. I hear you. But, I'm, uh, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about this next one. Falling out. Ooh, what's this guitar effect? It's like some tremolo. <laughs> it's supposed to feel this way. Where? <laughs> I never did this to you. Despite the beauty we create, I just can't stand beneath your word. Where? Right? So you're shaking your head. It's my number two. Okay. <laughs> I can't. The first like minute, I'm like, ugh, I'm bored by this. And yeah. then it really kicks in and suddenly I'm really into it. So if that first part puts you off, I would just say, hold on and listen to the rest of the song. <laughs> um, I mean, I really, I like I just that I hate the production on this I record. I know. Yeah. The, I, the, I, the vocal I, thing this... you're talking about him doing is all over the song. It's all over all of the songs. I don't know why they did this to all of the songs. It just, yeah. it's, it, by this point of the album, it starts to frustrate me. Yeah, I get it. Because they all sound the same. A lot of the songs sound the same. There's like, there's not a lot of dynamics happening on, on, on these songs. Right. They're just so, with a lot of the glossiness that they're trying to put on and a lot of overproduction, a lot of the songs, they still feel flat and boring. I don't know how you achieve both of those things. <laughs> I agree. Well, that's because that that is boring when it's like it's like that whole um, you know metaphor of because you know I love films. Um, <laughs> when you have an unlimited budget, like in theory, that should make your movie awesome, but it usually means it sucks because it's like when it's just like so much cgi and so much stuff at a certain point you just kind of don't care you know what i mean whereas like if you're scrappy and you have a smaller budget like uh, craig's brother on homecoming it's more interesting you're like making more interesting decisions well the if we're talking we're talking films here we're not (laughs) you know not talking like one of those classic you know 
a big blockbuster you're going mm-hmm. with your popcorn you know getting your your big your big sodas and your nachos with your cheese right. or their no, pretzels no. and um <laughs> just gonna no, keep naming films. movie snacks <laughs> no this is films we're talking um 19 1977 star wars mm. talking about like all the stuff that they they right. needed to invent and create yes. for ilm to like make that stuff like all the models and all of the, the just the film trickery that they needed to do versus right. the prequels where it's like they had all yes. more money than God to like, right. do that. And those the stories were garbage and right. And there's like nothing was real. And it just felt like there felt like there's no heart in it. It felt yeah. plastic. And so, I mean, your, your point's taken yeah. and uh, I don't know. Maybe they shouldn't have gotten the choir. Maybe, maybe Tooth and Nail was right. Maybe that was. Yeah, I do wonder <laughs> about hearing the other side of that experience. But anyway, I do, I do like the song quite a bit when it transitions into that faster. Paul muted. Yeah, well, that part. But then, like, so there's this long sort of intro, which, by the way, sounds very much like Life on Mars. I don't know if you noticed, that, but it's very Bowie. It's like the. It's a god awful small affair to the girl with the mousy hair. It's like the same. <laughs> anyway, but then they transition into this like, like that time signature, which rules. And they're coming up with these cool harmonies. And it's sort of like a minor chord uh, descending thing there. And then they go into the darn, the palm muted for the next part. So I think that, I think that sort of build, that transition really works. Um, it feels propulsive by that point. I like the harmonies, I like the melody. The chorus is pretty irresistible to me, but I hear you. I mean, that whole first part is kind of a kind of a slog again. What I'm um, what I'm hearing is we need a uh, a remastered and re-recorded version of Lost so, at Sea. Many people would, are saying this. many people are saying the streets are saying John. <laughs> I would love to hear yeah, that'd be cool. I would love to hear the current lineup. Uh, especially with what they've been doing these days and the music they put out in the last couple of years, yeah, and the the recording quality and the it just is so good. Yeah, I just Re- I just want I just want at this point of the record, any members of Craig's brother listening, guys, <laughs> look, we 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 love we you, love you, <laughs> and this you're 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 not get you're not you're not getting off that easy, you know. We'll uh. <laughs> We love we love your stuff, but you know we want to we want to be honest too. I obviously um, don't know this, but I would guess that at least some of them look back on this in a similar way that we're looking at it today. Um, I mean, how can you not be like hear some of this and be like and think this sounds good? Right. I'm not, and I'm not saying again. This is not for me, like necessarily about strictly about songwriting because i feel like a lot of the lyrics are strong we talked about how some of the bones of these songs were strong yeah on the on the demos and it's just i don't know who who was directing who was directing things in this in the studio like because this is clearly not like like lullaby was not how right they envisioned it to begin with like clearly they wrote it that before this album so it just makes me wonder who was being like, Hey, what if we put all these effects on things? And that's, right. that's a, that's a part of the story I would like to know. Yeah. I mean, these are not, uh, this is not a record that they share a production credit on or anything like that. So it's definitely possible that 
uh, Darren Gron uh, was like, hey, this is what we're going to do with this one. And they're like, okay, sounds good. You know, so hard to say. Uh, I do like Falling Out. This is a music and lyrics by Ted song. Um, and yeah, thematically, another another end of relationship song. But to me, this one is not, it's not totally clear to me whether it's romantic or a friendship or like a working relationship. You know, he talks about like what they created together. So I'm like, perhaps bandmates or even the label. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's, there's tension in a relationship of some kind, which is the case for almost all these songs. So, um, well, he also says, I'm so sick of being broke, <laughs> you right. know, I mean, that sounds that, th- that does sound like band life. <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there, there could be a, you know, uh, it could be a tooth and nail thing. could be a bandmate thing, but you know, there was a falling out of some kind. Yeah. Um, all right. We're, we're in the, we're getting into the home stretch here. Mm-hmm. Set free. favorite song on the album <laughs> well i was gonna say like in, in comparison to divorce mm-hmm. this one and, not, and again we don't know the context of that song right but when you look at those two if you're looking at like different end of relationship songs yeah set uh, this, free is pretty unambiguous and it's yeah this it's is meaning. just a little bit more like you know uh you sacrificed a lot and I fucked up and, you know, and, you know, so there's, there's just a little bit, that one, this one feels a little bit softer than like, you are the worst. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's just, it's a full, I'm just not into the vibe. It's a full, like hold your lighters in the air. We're doing a, a complete sort of ballady rock song. And I just, I don't need it. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe if it were like, I mean, I kind of like that tremolo sound just on its own. But as you're saying, this is, you know, we've heard enough at this point. And like, maybe if it was just like completely stripped down or something, I might. But it's just not, I don't know. I feel like I need more propulsive songs on the record. And this is not doing it for me. Yeah. And and like once you kind of get like the like the tambourine thing coming <laughs> uh-huh. in, they're just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, we usually praise their chord progressions and song structures, and like, there's nothing on this that surprises me at all. Um, yeah, but you know, the songs have their place, I guess. 
Yeah. If, if they only, if they only, uh, in their whole discography, they only write set free once. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Um, Prince of America. number two yeah i thought so (laughs) yeah i it's it's like i'll take a i'll take a a finger pointing song at america for like hell yeah for people that are just like just self-involved and selfish and um so i i uh i i like that i i I like the i also like the the prince of america part two just makes me this just is like feels like an extra little dig of the knife you know you think you're some mm-hmm. sort of royalty or some shit right you know totally yeah i i i we i probably would have shared the same top three with you if i had just immediately said what mine were on the first listen through like prince of america and divorce both have are like punk songs <laughs> which is what i'm looking for here it's just that neither of them really like i, I appreciate them but neither of them really like go to that next place for me so that's why like back and forth and falling out with their flaws i still find like ultimately more interesting but i do i think the song is really cool i really like that little guitar part they're like yeah this this that's cool this song also reminds me of like that this could almost be like a tumble down song yeah i got like a social d kind of vibe it's got like a there's like a little bit of a cow punk thing going on almost country adjacent yeah but not really but right um, yeah i like that yeah uh but there you know where it does take it to the next level for me bro it is the mm. end of this song yeah let's hear it That that those sort of really but, ramped up harmonies and then the the yeah. like the those distorted screams. I'm just Man, like maybe I dope. fucked up. I might have <laughs> fucked up here. That was pretty good. No, it's it that it was that part that I'm like I'm like okay this this song was like 
was my my soft three. Sure. My number three. And then I was like, but then that part, like, I'm like, that's it. That that yeah. switched it. That switched it around to my number two. I hear you. I think that works well. This is definitely in my, you know, top five, like the top handful kind of. Yeah. Um, and I agree. Again, criticism of the US. Uh, you know, I don't know if exactly. I even wondered, like, so this was recorded in 2000. Bush, you know, was in the conversation and sort of having him as like, he seems like a prince of America, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> and interesting. like, I don't know if that's if it was that on the nose, but you know, it's it, just in general, sort of targeting capitalism and foreign policy of calling it's, out the rich. It's also that's... talking about Kosovo, and yes. you know, that was that was topical at the time. That yeah, was yeah, you know, ninety nine that it was right. So. Um, yeah, I guess that would have been a little earlier, but you know, the, where we were headed as a country, I think yeah. is what they were picking up on. And I do think it's interesting. I mean, Prince of the world, traditionally a name used for Satan. Um, so to kind of tying this greed or immorality to evil, like, yeah, um, I don't know. How could you know which rung you stunt? How could you know which rung you stand on? You never had to make the climb. You never thought to look beneath you, ignoring the throne you're heir to. Prince of the world, Prince of America. I just think that's it's so that's sick. Pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It's like yeah. if you if you want to look at it in the like Satan way, I'm assuming they're sort of playing with that. Maybe not, but like, yeah, the idea of like Satan's heir is like America. <laughs> you know, like that's a pretty I'm, that's a pretty I'm, damning. I'm, uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty into that. I'm pretty into it. <laughs> Into it. I'm into a band on a Christian label that family Christian bookstore keeps dropping from their stores. Uh, yeah. Calling that out. So yeah. But the, a, uh, I just, I, the, the, how could you know which rung you stand on? You never yeah. had to make the climb. It's a good fucking oh, line. It's man. a great That's fucking good. line. Great yeah, we should say this line. is lyrics by Ted, music yeah. by Dan and Ted. Um, yeah. Yeah. This song rules. I, I, I don't know. I, it's hey, kind of a- bro, I've I've made I've made audibles before. You're you you're you have yeah. you have the power within you. I know I, my list is too weird. I kind of have to stick with it. <laughs> Fair. But this song rolls. Um, um, this yeah. is this is also a song. Um, I'll say it's <laughs> it's five minutes of a song. Sure. And then two minutes of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but lost at sea.
this song has a Metallica vibe to it to me. Yeah, that opening <laughs> definitely. I mean, the fact that this guy had a background in metal and several yeah. Metallica records makes sense production wise. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I this it does like just like the some of the that 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 part after it like speeds up. Um, it does sound like a load reload era of right. Metallica. I think so. This is sort of an opus. Uh, I think there's some interesting parts to it. I definitely there like are. elements of it. You know, it's another one that's ambitious, which I appreciate, but it's also just kind of boring. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I appreciate some of the some of the things they do here. I think you know, using this as sort of the closing the concept album metaphor thing. He's like, um, you know, the idea of being lost at sea emotionally and in, in what's happening in your life circumstances. Uh, you know, he's lost at sea. There's a woman calling his name from the shore, but he can't hear her. Um, and he repeats, keep calling his name, keep calling, perhaps he'll hear you. That's pretty bleak and dark, but ultimately hopeful, which is kind of how I feel about the album, where it's like, it goes to some very dark places, but it keeps returning to like a glimmer of hope by the end of these stories, sort of. So I appreciate that about it. I don't know. I think that idea of sort of like being adrift, but like keep calling his name, keep calling. Like there's obviously something, there's a metaphor there as, as it applies to relationships and that I think works pretty well. So, you know, it, it does, it does leave one feeling a little hopeless Yes. of a note to end on right we just hear that water then that's all the person yeah. is surrounded by uh, uh the gently winking stars of night not out of sight but still his eyes are glazed mm-hmm. it's um, a bummer yeah so he's a uh, dead floating like <laughs> driftwood yep but i do like that this is again this is a seven minute song it's ambitious they're I do like the um, vocal melodies of uh, an unanswered prayer amidst this, a sea of words. He hears mm-hmm. only hears the sound of seabirds. I like what That's they're cool. doing there yeah. vocally and melodically. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I can't I mean, I would have taken maybe like 15 seconds of this. <laughs> it goes on for a while. It goes on for a while. <laughs> I do think there's like a there's a, a poetry, there's a power to the poetry of this. Um, but <laughs> it's We're, perfectly in keeping with too much, over the top. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
John, this is making me think we should record the pot at sea. <laughs> pot at sea. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think. I don't know. This is yeah. Let's get a let's get a houseboat. It's kind of cool. Take, let's take like the, the vibes. Yeah, I like the vibes. Just drinking on the open open sea. Floating like the, driftwood. <laughs> floating. Hopefully our eyes aren't glazed over <laughs> in our death. No, I hope not. Um, um, no, but yeah, this is still this is still going. Still going on. Uh, uh, but I'm actually digging the vibe of it. Of it. So it's I'm just, cool. Just it's gonna... it's like heavy and 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 I don't know. I, I appreciate that they're taking big swings. They don't all connect, but it's like interesting. There's some interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, let's keep this going while we do this. Uh, that was Lost at Sea, everybody. That was Lost at Sea. Let us know how you feel when you listen to it. Do you feel like you're floating like driftwood? Um, do you feel like uh, you want to stomp out the Prince of America and, <laughs> and push that ladder over that he's on? That's right. Like, um, uh, like, like the orcs trying to <laughs> trying to breach Helm's Deep. Exactly. And you're just like pushing all those ladders over the top, over the... Anyway. <laughs> Nerd! Um, I keep trying to think of some sort of orc uh, lyric I could put together here and it's just not coming together um <laughs> i don't know um meets meets looks, back on the menu <laughs> i was gonna say look looks like divorce is back on the menu boys <laughs> yeah yours is better i guess <laughs> um that is that's dark and sad <laughs> it is anyway uh you know what we appreciate our back and forth with our listeners uh nailed it um so let us know what you think of this record in our discussion at magnified pod on instagram facebook and twitter subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review we will read your apple podcast review on the show email us at uh email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com you can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 magpod can support us at the patreon at patreon.com slash magnified pod for post game bonus content extra episodes the discord all that good stuff and you can pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com thanks to shadow producer jason at unoriginal vinyl and thanks to heavy ordnance studios for our work well our time in the penalty box is over for this week we'll be back out on the ice next week when we'll discuss craig's brothers the insidious lie yeah Yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is my number one. <laughs> Living a life without any future. He's dunning appetite. Petty amusement. You win. I want to hear this song re-recorded. Yeah, man. This song needs justice for Prince of America. Mm. That's what I want. I want there to be, I mean, not not for the the character in the song. No. I'm talking about this song needs to be done. Needs to be done some justice. You know, I didn't necessarily think a lot of these would make our set lists on a future episode, but Prince of America Live uh, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, sounds bro. Also, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the plays. It's the least played song mm. on this. On this, sounds record. like America wasn't ready. The truth. <laughs> yeah, America's climbing up the rungs. They don't even know which rung they're on. 
<laughs> For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.